0: We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55. I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Johanna Munson, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Johanna Munson is an end-of-life educator, a workshop leader, and a peace-of-mind guide who has a passion for expanding the conversations around how we live out our lives fully until the end. She developed the End-of-Life Peace Plan program a comprehensive roadmap covering the heart, soul, and mind of advanced care planning. This was from her experiences serving as her father's medical and financial power of attorney and a state executor. She has completed certification as a conversational intelligence coach and is a licensed Willow End of Life educator. Planning brings peace. And that is what Johanna wishes for you.
1: Welcome, Johanna. I'm so happy you're here today. Oh, such a pleasure to spend this time with you, Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. So just in getting started, Johanna, can you tell me, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think that
1: you don't? Well, it's ironic because I had my physical, annual physical last week, and the uh, number of appointments that I have coming up to uh, follow up on certain <laughs> areas, is uh, it's kind of a long list. So, But that also says to me that I'm taking good care of myself and people can do that at all ages. And uh, in one sense, I do, because the things I'm facing now are different you know, bone density screenings and uh, mammograms, of course, and things like that. If we look at it as just taking care of ourselves, um, then you know that's a lifelong mission for many of us is is to really take good care of our bodies because um, that that's how we experience uh, everything in our lives and how we get pleasure and feel emotions and uh, so it's a, actually an honor to be able to take care of our bodies.
0: Yeah, I think that for many of us, we wish we had learned earlier how important it is to. Watch what we eat and sleep and drink and exercise. And we oftentimes, it's sort of like saving for retirement. Many people start too late. (laughs) So I don't think it's ever too late to try to uh, improve on your lifestyle and your health. It's never too late. You
1: always, it's never too late. And, you know, one thing people worry about a lot as they age is the um, prospect of dementia. And there's less and less. Well, there's more research showing now that it's not genetic necessarily, that we can positively affect it by uh, eating a a healthy diet, by exercising, by building social connections and maintaining those, um, by continuing to take on new topics and try to learn new things. For those of us who are starting new businesses at this point, we're in the perfect setting to... uh, yeah, Stave off dementia so
0: we're doing exactly what we should be doing you know exactly. I, i'm reading a fun book and i am not saying that what this book says is true i'm saying it's a it's an interesting read it's by tony robbins and it's yeah. called life force life force huh? and it's all about regenerative medicine or, you know stem cell therapy basically oh, wow. and, I don't know where it's going. I don't know how much of it is true. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But even if a tiny portion of what's being talked about is true right now, it's really exciting. It's remarkable. I think we, you know, we may be on the cutting edge of some real changes in dealing with things that we have not been able to deal with up to this point
1: yeah, we used to think that the brain stopped uh, developing, you know by thirty or forty five. I don't know what the actual you know age was, but uh, it's it's really been shown by wonderful people that we are capable of building new connections, new new neurons, um, creating those synapses and um, that it just doesn't end. We can do that right up until we take our last breath.
0: Yes, and I think that I I think that we really need to get that word out to people because the opposite has been talked about for so long. And, yeah,
1: um, put you on the shelf and you know, put, uh, play bingo. That's not my, not my idea.
0: idea. <laughs> not my idea. Yeah, I um I really have started calling people on here. Oh well, that was a senior moment. I say, you know, have you heard somebody say? Well, that was a younger moment when they forgot <laughs> something. I mean. <laughs> So how did you originally, originally or originally, get interested in all this?
1: Well, yeah, uh, end of life is not everybody's cup of tea, so to speak. I, the, My first experience with being at the bedside of someone dying was my father-in-law back in 2002. And he had uh, COPD, so his breathing was not good. And he was on hospice care. And... Uh, we we all got called to his bedside he had six kids like i don't know 15 grandchildren maybe even 20 grandchildren so we all gathered at their house in new orleans and i just could not leave his bedside i you know his kids were coming and going this was my husband's father and um, i just felt called to be there and so uh, luckily, his family was you know, trusting me enough to do that. And I'd never had any sense of calling before that. Um, but that experience stuck with me for a long time. And in 2007, my mother was diagnosed with leukemia and very sudden death. She lived five weeks, most of that in the hospital, age 74. Uh, we never had any conversations about what she wanted. Um, I, she was an amazing gardener. And so the thought of her actually dying in the hospital which is what ended up happening and not being able to see her beloved gardens again just broke my heart my sisters and my dad and i we were we had differences of opinion on (laughs) what we thought should happen and what was possible she ended up being at least being moved to the hospice floor didn't die in icu but um it was just she was unconscious by the time she got up there so we didn't weren't able to say goodbye at that point uh, we thought our dad would le- live maybe a couple years longer because they were very close, but he lived 11 years longer, and so he died in 2019 at age 86. And over those years, he had the normal health challenges. He wasn't you know, he was very fit. He was um, mentally capable and uh, had been a runner and a swimmer and and just loved being around people so he had all the right things in place but he had sciatica and so he ended up in a wheelchair and moving into assisted living and so through all that I took over his medical power of attorney took over his finances and when he started having falls and not recovering so well from them uh, we had already talked about hospice and so he was willing to go under hospice care and hospice isn't just for like the last week or two of life it's so important to put the word out there that uh, anyone with a diagnosis of six months or less to live can get on hospice and they support the family they support the patient uh, and actually patients actually do better once they get on hospice because their needs are are really addressed so he was on hospice he was in assisted living he was having falls and uh we had talked through his values. And one of the most important things to him was um, that he he would know where he was and he would be able to recognize us. And that was starting to fade because he was in a lot of pain from the falls. He actually chose to stop eating and drinking. It's called voluntarily stopping eating and drinking. We had been talking about this for years. It was not a sudden decision at all. It takes a huge amount of emotional work of Getting the logistics uh, in place. Um, But he decided to do that. And so at age 86, um, he stopped eating and drinking. It took him a week to pass, uh, but he was well supported by the assisted living, by me and my sisters, by the hospice group. And I feel so different about his death. I have no guilt, I have no regrets. We were following his wishes. My sisters and I were all in accord. And I want that for other people. I want other people to feel okay about their own death, about the choices they're making to have those conversations, because that is the biggest difference is that we were able to talk with my dad about his wishes. He was able to voice what he wanted and didn't want. And, you know, there's so many great stories about his Death, which I don't have with my with my mom, just one quick one. He died during the snowstorm. Um I live on Bainbridge Island in Washington, and we don't we usually get maybe one light snow in the in January or so, but this was February. There was a week-long snowstorm. And so he died the first night of that snowstorm and about three thirty in the morning. And so my sister and I had to walk down from where we were staying to the assisted living place. It was just magical. And he was born in upstate New York. So February would have been full of snow like that. And just, so it was it was magical. And to know that he went, went home, I call it going home um, when the soul leaves the body. Um, to have that happen during this beautiful snowstorm, it just still gives me chills when I think about it. Um, so that's what inspired me to help people put together these plans. Well, that's really
0: fun, Johanna. You know what I think of that? That just spreads that back such a clear memory of mine. We, I would, I uh, was living in California. My mother uh, was living in Ohio, where I had grown up, and my father was in a nursing home there. And we knew he was in his last days. And one morning we got a call saying, "You better come." So I went outside, and there had been a big snow the night before, and the sun was out, and it was sparkling. And there was a bright red cardinal bird. Oh. And I thought, what a perfect day to die. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I thought, well, Sarah, that, and I thought, well, there's That's... nothing wrong with that thought. I mean, he's going to yeah. go. And this is a beautiful day um, to go. So, yeah, you know, memories like that
1: yeah that morning after my mom died and we left the hospital there's one beautiful memory i have is that we were waiting at the dock ferry dock and in, in seattle to co- come back to bainbridge island and there was this beautiful little crescent moon and my mom ha- had the most beautiful smile and so the moon looked like her smile and now every time i see that crescent moon i'm reminded of her not that i you know they don't think about her often but that's such a it's nice to have that positive connection. So I love that cardinal on the sparkling white snow. Yeah. It was it was gorgeous.
0: I am sure that you hear people say, "I have a will an advance and an advanced directive and I've got everything taken care of." I've heard people say that, and I don't even do your work. Yeah. So, how do you feel about that sentence?
1: Well, that's a great start. And congratulations if you have actually gotten your will and advanced directive done. Uh, about half of Americans don't have a will, and probably 70% don't have an advanced directive. My next question would be: um, have you talked to the people who are listed in those forms? Your durable power of attorney, your state executor, your medical power of attorney. Um, do they know what your wishes are and and what you would choose and then there are so many other areas to to consider i talk about the heart soul and mind of end of life planning and the heart would be things like writing letters to those you love so that they have a a lasting message writing sort of your values what matters to you um maybe write some your your life sort of story What were some of the important decisions you made and and what do you see as the impact of that? And then the soul is thinking about um, sharing what you believe happens to you after death. There are basically four options people think about, which is either everyone goes to heaven, uh, there's heaven and hell, uh, there's nothing, or there's reincarnation. Um, so whatever camp you fall into, you know we talk through that. And I have, um, I'm a Unitarian Universalist now, so I am familiar with with many different um, religions. And so I support people wherever wherever they are. And having some spiritual belief can really help with dealing with the fact that we are really temporary in these bodies. Um, so that's sort of the soul part. Um, involved in that is thinking about what you want done with your body after you die there's so many great options now Uh, Washington has and actually many other states are now getting access to this where they can do what's called recomposition where your body is basically composted you become beautiful soil and um, you can either have that taken to a conservation ground or uh, get some part of it to bring home and plant something with. Um, it, it takes about four to six weeks, depending on on the process that you, um, on which company you sign up with. Uh, there's also aquamation, which is um, an earth-friendly form of cremation where they use water to decompose the body, and then you get the remains just like in in cremation, but it's much more. It doesn't create doesn't burn fossil fuel. Um, And then there's green burial, which is what um, we did with my dad's body. And I didn't think that it would be important to have a place to go visit, but I've really enjoyed being able to just go and and spend time there. Um, We talk about service, you know, because one of the hardest things for a grieving family to do is put together a service. And so many people I talk to say, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) but think about those who love you having to put together something if it was an unexpected death it's even harder even when it's expected um to not have any guidance is um i think it's it's doing a real disservice um even just saying you know i want this piece of music or this reading would really be lovely or could this person come and do my eulogy Um, and you can write your eulogy ahead of time you don't need to wait for somebody else to do that um you know somebody getting up there and telling silly stories about you may not be the way you want to be remembered yeah so will an advanced directive is a great start there's a lot more that uh, can be done and it's a way to really take a look at your life especially for those of us who are 55 and older and say okay this is where I am. These are my experiences so far. I don't know how much more time I have, but um, this is what matters to me. These are the values that I live by. And how can I live out those in the years that I have remaining? I have so many questions. I don't know where to start. What, uh, but let me, I mean, the three things I'm thinking
0: about, just in case somebody doesn't know what an advanced directive is, hmm. um, what was the process you used with your father? I didn't understand that. How do you speak soul, the p- soul portion to someone who thinks it's the, it's the end? I'm just, just, that's it. It's done. You know, I come and I go and I'm done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an advanced directive is also known as a living will. As people may have heard of that, one of the most common ones is the five wishes. And it's basically making decisions ahead of time. So in the event that you're incapacitated, you have somebody else can make those decisions for you so do you want life life support would you want to be resuscitated you know CPR is in real life is very different from what it looks like on TV or in the movies um, and so you can make those decisions would you want um, experimental therapies so it only is in effect when you are not able to speak for yourself so the person who is your medical power of attorney should be someone you trust uh, someone who can communicate well with medical staff and maybe has a little bit of, of uh, <laughs> oomph to their personality. So if, you know, if they're having a hard time with the staff that they can say, no, this is what she said she wants. It's great to have somebody close to you um, physically in the same area, because who knows when an accident might happen or something. Uh, often people will ask their children, one of their children to be that um to take on that role and that's you know if you have a good relationship with them that's great if you um, have someone close to your age that you're good friends with you know say you don't have anybody maybe your kids live far away or you don't want to ask them um, and you don't have siblings um, nearby you can do a reciprocal arrangement with a friend and you know I'll be yours you be mine and um, hopefully we'll we don't need that but it's great to to know that there's a an option you can have a primary and an alternate so um and they both can make those decisions so that's what a living will or advanced directive is and each state has a different form and um so it's important to have the form for your state some states have different approaches to um, what they require most require uh being witnessed and notarized. So happy to help people figure out which which form is best for them to use. Um, so process with my dad. Uh, so what part of that wasn't would you like more? Um I wasn't sure
0: uh, if, 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 I I understand that he wasn't cremated, but I'm not sure what it what it was.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. So um he had a green burial and green burial is when they don't embalm the body, they don't um you know, usually, if you have an actual casket, they'll put a cement vault in the ground. So it's not just the casket, but they're creating this the cement vault so that they can um, mow. actually, this is the reason why they do it, so they can mow and it won't won't be any um, sinking into the ground. So it uses all that concrete uh, casket requires lots of resources. Um, and when that's, the way it's been done for generations then there's you know it's important to keep up those traditions um but he was um you know wanted to take good care of the earth and so we opted for green burial which is where they um dig the hole in the ground and then he his body was placed in a wicker basket beautiful handmade basket his body was wrapped in a shroud and placed directly into the ground and then over it takes about 10 years for everything to completely decompose Um, but there's no chemicals going into the ground when bodies are involved they use formaldehyde and that's not great for (laughs) groundwater and so on Um, and so it's in a green cemetery where they have to be certified to um, be called that and um, there are no like big marble gravestones or anything it's just a very simple uh, plaque that's level with the ground so it's a more environmentally friendly practice to do greek burial yeah yeah and then we get to the interesting question of of what about someone who doesn't believe there's anything well that is valid there are so many what we call nuns n-o-n-e s's who um, nuns in that sense that um are not affiliated with any particular religion or spiritual tradition. And that is a um, it's a personal choice. And there's a a sense that you know we are in these human bodies, and that's it. There's no nothing that to experience when we're not inhabiting these bodies. Um, and I have to say, my father was of that um, Belief, but i didn't hesitate to share my sense that there is something on the other side Um, i spent a lot of time in japan and studied buddhism and so i'm more in the uh, reincarnation idea camp but i will say that while when he was in this process the last week of his life there were two photos on the wall we had put up a photo of, of our mom and that kept falling off the wall it would not stay but <laughs> I'm not here
0: for this. I'm not. I'm not
1: yeah, here. yeah. And then there was a photo of my grandfather and his dad, and he was. I could hear him having conversations with him. He would look up at the ceiling, and he was mumbling. But I heard very clearly a couple of times. Dad, dad. Um, I'm a hospice volunteer and work with uh, hospice nurses and. There are so many stories of, of these kinds of experience where experiences where people are on their deathbed and they're talking to uh, souls and spirits of people who have already passed. Um, there's a great TikTok and Instagram um, accounts, Hospice Nurse Julie and a couple of other ones If people are interested in hearing some stories about that. Um, it's a well-documented um, occurrence that people I talk. People who are dying see are seeing somebody, whether that's hallucinations or reality. I don't know, but it brings me comfort.
0: That's one of the things you said, Johanna. uh, It really resonated with me, and I'd like to underscore it because my mother died when she was ninety-seven, and she was very, very healthy until about ninety-five. She was mowing the grass until. Wow. (laughs) uh, But at the end, it was a it was a pretty fast downhill, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think is good. I mean, I. I, I would like to have a downhill about, you know, half an hour. But one of the things that you mentioned was to make sure that um, the people with your health care directive can be firm, because my mother was really clear for them for years that she did not want any resuscitation. She did not want anything special done. I said once to her when she was 94 or 95, mother, I hope you just fall dead behind the mower. And she said, no, 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 I don't want to be outside because somebody might see me and resuscitate me. Oh. So, <laughs> so she was really clear about them. When she was in the nursing home, they took her to the hospital and resuscitated her three times. I'm oh. saying, look at the paperwork. She is yeah. so clear about that. And the next time it happened again. And so um, their job has always been to save lives. And so I understand how hard that must be. And it's not the person's wishes.
1: And so, yeah, well, you know, my dad had this form called the POST uh, Physician's Orders for Life Sustaining Treatment. Sometimes it's called the MOST um, Medical Orders for Life Sustaining Treatment. And in Washington, it's bright green. In other states, it's like neon pink. Um, and that's the DNR form. And so, if somebody listening is wanting to have that decision out there and made, you can talk to your doctor about getting that form and it's usually displayed somewhere prominently around your refrigerator where you can put it in a plastic bag in the freezer if you don't want to look at it every day um, yeah being you know being mortal is one thing but looking at it every day is not right so uh, appealing but uh, at least then if emts are called and, that you know, they, that's one of the first things they do, especially if it's an elderly person, they'll check around the refrigerator or freezer. Um, oh, for the, oh for that's the,
0: good to that. know. Yeah. Yeah. I could have never had our time, but I would really like to know because I have heard people talk about that. They know how important some of this is, but they just don't want to have that conversation with their children or their friends. Um, they don't want people to think they're being morbid. They don't want to scare people. They don't want to. Dot, 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 dot. What do you What do you say? I mean, the importance of it is, I think, clear. But also, the feeling of not wanting to do it is also strong.
1: Yeah. So say that you want to, and uh, maybe you tried to broach the subject with your kids, and they're like, "No, nah, not going there. You're You're going to live forever," uh, which uh, you know, some of us, that's what we would love to have happen in terms of our parents but what I would one way I say to approach it is to um tell a story right because people love stories and stories really touch our hearts so if you have an experience with somebody in your life where either they died or there was an accident and the situation just kind of went off the rails um start there share that story or maybe Uh, You went to someone's funeral and you felt like it just didn't reflect who they were at all. My dad's mom um, had a heart attack and died very suddenly. And I remember so clearly, I was probably 11 or 12. And we went to the funeral home and she was laid out in one of her beautiful tweed suits, fully made up, embalmed and everything. But she was still and she had never been still in her life And so it was such a disconnect to see that. And then the the person from the funeral home, they didn't have a minister at that time. And so the person at the funeral home gave the eulogy and he had no clue who she was. And so I I give that, I share that story as a, in a way, it's just, I don't want that to happen to me. Maybe you sit and watch a movie with, with your um, kids or with a, an aging parent and there's a situation in the movie and you can just bring that up, say, "Oh, let's pause for a minute. What would you do in this situation? Um, how you know this is how I might handle it? um What do you think?" And just to even get a small start like that is is magical um, because it starts the ball rolling. Um, if you can do that several times just over the course of a month or two, um, and then people get the idea pretty quickly, or you know, start doing it yourself and say, "I'm." you know, I'm looking at what I want for my, um, you know, I'm thinking about where I might want to live as I age. And, you know, these are some options I'm considering Um, thinking about assisted living, but not sure I have the finances or wanting to stay at home and make some adjustments to my home so that I can safely live there. Um, So phrase it as sort of, you know, making my life comfortable now and, for the next five or ten years and you know eventually then lead into the or bring it around to the fact that yeah i'm not going to be here at some point
0: you know as you're saying that johanna i never thought of this before but this would be even harder probably to do but if you have children and they're you know teenager late teenagers young adults and older mm -hmm, Do you know what they want if they die first? You know, so it could be a dual conversation of, you know, both of us are going to not be here at some point. That's just the reality. And so why don't we talk about what each of us would, and so make it both of you talking about it rather than then just have to deal with listening to you talk about it.
1: That's a great idea because um, when Um, children turn 18 you no longer as a parent you no longer have access to their medical records and so uh, it's not my focus I like working with 55 and older Um, but you know that when they go off to college or go off to work um, you no longer have access to um, make decisions for them or to to see their medical records Uh, so yeah that's that's a very good point that it's a two-way street there and yeah losing a a child is not anything any of us want to even consider um but i i just met somebody um whose son was killed at age 23 and the just the the horror and the grief of it and then having to deal with the actual legal parts and so on was just devastating
0: yeah i don't know i mean i don't have children so i i don't don't worry about it but um I I don't know of anything that's more devastating to uh, somebody than to lose lose a child, no matter how old that child. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: but but if you know if they're over eighteen, well, any age, but especially if they're if they're older adult, um, you want to know what they would want. You know, the same way that they that other people will want to know what you want. You want anyway. I never thought of that before. <laughs> So I can imagine that people might want to
1: get in touch with you. If they want to do that, how can they do that? Well, I love to have conversations with people just to explore these ideas. Um, I do have a website, and it's my name, uh, johannamunson.com. That's J-O-H-A-N-N-A-M-U-N-S-O-N.com. And I have information about... um, There's a whole resource page of of books and movies and podcasts that I I like to share. Uh, I have information on my end-of-life peace plan program there. I am happy to talk to people and just have a conversation about where they are, what they might want. Um, So they can email me at uh, johanna at johannamunson.com. We'll love, love to hear from your listeners. Thank you, Johanna. This was wonderful. Thank you my pleasure (laughs) so
0: that's our time today please join us again you can find our prime spark podcast on every popular outlet find out more about prime spark at www.primesparkwomen.com thank you so much to my guest johanna mason munson and don't forget you can find her at johanna munson J-O-H-A-N-N-A-M-U-N-S-O-N dot com. .com. Thank you for being with us. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.